That's right. It is Free Talk Live. And you are free to call in and talk live here on the airwaves. It's Mark with you. And Michael. You can call in at 855-450-3733. And I got a story for you. I think this is one that most people will relate to. From ZeroHedge.com. They do find some really interesting stuff out there. Eh? Oh, I, I love Zero Hedge. I wouldn't call them unbiased. Oh, no, that they that they are definitely not. From a financial standpoint, they're certainly perma bears, but um, they often will chronicle sort of the deterioration of America, and I think this is one of them. California bans public schools from suspending troublemakers. Oh, that. That's going to work out well. Right. Not content to let problem students hold the entire class back until they're sent home. California Governor Gavin Newsom on Monday signed a uh, law prohibiting the suspension of disruptive kids by both public and charter schools. All right. So let's unpack that sentence for a second. Do problem students hold the entire class back? Um, if they're disrupting the class thing, yeah, that yeah, they do it all the time. It's awful. Yeah. It's absolutely awful. Um, you know, they what's the old eighty twenty rule that uh, you know twenty percent of the kids cause eighty percent of the problems. That yeah, that's the other eighty twenty rule, right? And there's all kinds of eighty twenty rules out there. Um, and I would go so far as to say twenty percent of those kids, the twenty percent, twenty um, twenty percent of the twenty percent cause you know. Even uh, not not most of the problems that the, the ones right right eighty percent of the eighty percent, um, and that's bad, right? Like you're forced to pay for the school, so is everybody else. Your kids are mixed in with everybody else. The idea is is that somehow we're gonna cross culturally make everything work, and then the worst kids in the classroom, whether they have learning disabilities or whatever it is then create all kinds of disruptions and hold the whole class back. If the class taught to the median kid, like the kid in the middle, that would probably be what you would expect. But from everything I've heard, the class doesn't speak to the median kid. It speaks to the kid about uh, 30% down. Hmm. And that's probably because we let 20% of the kids hold 80% of the kids hostage. That, you know, that... that does sound reasonable to me well it sounds it sounds right it doesn't sound reasonable yeah. this this shouldn't be happening the new law which goes into effect july 1st will permanently that's uh, 2020 excuse me will permanently prohibit willful defiance suspensions suspensions they're not talking about kicking a kid out of a school and saying this is not the right school for you that's when, expulsion isn't it that's expulsion they're just talking about hey you need a break and everything we've tried up to this point hasn't worked. So go home. So go home. Figure it out and come back. That's what a suspension is. Okay, so they've permanently prohibited willful defiance uh, suspensions in grades 4 and 5 and will ban such suspensions in grades 6 through 8 for five years, according to the Sacramento Bee. So, basically, from grades 4 to 8... There's nothing you can do in a classroom that will get you suspended. Wow. Pretty much, yeah. Have you seen these videos of uh, fights in classrooms and these sorts of things? I have not seen videos, but I've, I've certainly heard stories about it. Yeah. That, 
that scares me. I, how would you want your kid to be exposed to that? Here um, on this article, they have uh, a art. They have a video of two students beating up one student, and and no one's. Yeah, that's just a bunch of screaming. Um, <laughs> I'll turn and off the no volume. Doing anything about it? Um, well, is the teacher doing anything about it? Did I say there was a student they were beating up? I thought you said two students were beating up another student. My mistake. It's the teacher they're kicking the hell out of. Oh. Right. So here they are. So you've got her by the hair, and they're shoving their knee into her face. Now they're pounding her on the top of the head. Um, oh, my God. Then they pick up something and throw it at her. It could have been, I don't know, it could have been a safe, could have been a cardboard box. I got no idea what it was. Um, it was, appears as though the teacher is uh, racked with emotion over the uh, situation. Um this is the kind of thing that cannot, okay, you cannot be suspended for this. In California. Now, oh my God. It doesn't say you, they, can't deter, they can't create their own class for bad kids, you know, like the Sweat Hogs. You remember? Welcome mm. back, Kata. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so I suspect they can probably do something like that. But to me, this is just indicative of one of the myriad of reasons why government schools suck. And, and they're getting worse. I mean, this uh, we how could they not? When I was a kid, you had fights, but they were out on the playground or whatever. They it, during breaks, you you didn't act up in class because you would get smacked down pretty fast. Yeah, so uh, you happened? certainly would because the teacher saw everything, right. and then you know everything's going to be reported. You you would not have kids beating a teacher. It just did did not happen. So. Uh, this goes on here. So crappy parent, unparented future inmate blows spitballs at the chalkboard all day and uh, can't get so- sent home no matter how disruptive they are. Why? Because it's discriminatory to suspend troublemakers, of course. Discriminatory? Wait, what? Well, that's it. That's right here. A quote from uh, civil rights activist Dolores Urta. I strongly believe that SB 419 will bring justice to California youth. By eliminating suspensions for disruption and defiance, putting an end to discriminatory discipline policies, and instituting restorative justice practices. Does she even know what that word means? Well, restorative justice would mean that you, um, you know, that, that authorities bring the parties together to chit chat about what happened and try to come to some kind of agreement as to uh, how we're going to handle this. And restorative justice would mean that, in part, if you were harmed by the actions of another, that you would be made whole by, um, you know, through a process where it's not antagonistic, but uh, everybody's cooperating to make things happen. As though. As though these two kids that are beating up this teacher are going to even want to participate in such a thing. Well, when you start with the notion that discipline policies like suspension are discriminatory, that sets a stage where certain people who would be discriminated against now have a leg up in these uh, restorative justice practices, right? Okay. So let's say uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, some kid who's some ethnic group jumps another ethnic group. Right. So the restore one one person of an ethnic group jumps another person of an ethnic group. Right. You put them in a room. uh, There's an authority uh, authority figure there that's like, look, we're going to have some restorative justice. 
and the one uh, ethnic group says, hey, my ethnic group has been traditionally treated badly by his ethnic group. So well, that needs to be figured in here to this restorative justice process. We have social justice that needs to be worked out in this. And the other kid's like, you know, whatever it is that happened historically, um, I may disagree with, uh, you know, from a moral standpoint, but I didn't have anything to do with it. So, um, you know, maybe restorative justice, maybe including this in the restorative justice process doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, who is that truck driver that got beat up during the Rodney King uh, riots? Do you remember him? Yeah, Rodney. Well, Rodney King was Rodney the, King, the huh? thing that came to mind. I can't remember his name. But, you know, thinking of that guy, what kind of restorative justice situation would we be talking about? I mean, it's pretty obvious why he got beat up. Right, he was. He happened to be the wrong color in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time. Most definitely, and the wrong like, time. This is not. It's not that it's never happened in the reverse. Absolutely, you know, being uh, the wrong color in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time has not has been traditionally pretty bad for lots of people of lots of different different ethnicities. But it was pretty clear that it didn't help that truck driver much. But in the case of social justice, you know, one of those defendants might just come in and say, "Hey, you know." Um, Sorry, I got caught up in the moment because of all the bad things that have happened over the course of, call it 400 years. And um, I felt like there's a little justice that needed to be meted out. And, uh, you know, there are some people that would listen to that as though that is not the ramblings of a violent mad person. Right? Right. Yeah, I, I you're right. The number, 855-450-3733. No suspensions in California schools for certain grades. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. The guy's name is Reginald Denny. That That's was him. the uh, truck driver that got beaten up during the Rodney King uh, riots here in uh it's Thank Mark you. with you, by the way. And Michael. Yeah, Free Talk Live. So I'm reading this uh, Wikipedia story here, and uh, apparently I am not drawing the wrong conclusion. According to Wikipedia, the attack on Reginald Denny was a racially motivated hate crime in the 1992 Los Angeles riots in which Reginald Denny, a white construction truck driver was beaten nearly to death by a group of black men who came to be known as the LA four. The attack was captured on video by a news helicopter and broadcast live on U S national television. So, um, calling it a, you know, hate crime is not a, uh, it, it, it is not a departure from fact no, from what I can tell seems here. It's reasonable. Right. So, um, interestingly, the, there were, uh, I'm just going to read this one sentence. Prosecution counter argued that the two had known, um, excuse me, in the ar- closing arguments, the defense attorneys claimed that Williams and Watson were being used as scapegoats for the L.A. riots. Um, one, one sentence back. The defense began to plead on September the 20th, making a case for unpremeditated assault with Falal, uh, charging, challenging the video evidence and portraying Williams as a victim of poverty and racism. So that's the point I'm trying to make here. By the way, the uh, the sentences on these people were rather light um, in comparison to what went on. Uh, but it, regardless, so uh, victim of poverty and racism. Certainly, this is true, right? Like yeah. there are plenty of people in the United States who are sadly um, feel stuck in poverty. I have a uh, nephew who you know is talking about the south side of south side of Chicago, and he says those people can't get out of there. Now, he lives in Chicago, and I don't know what he means when he says those people can't get out of there. 
I just don't know um, when somebody says that what they mean. But, you know, I'll just presume that I'm ignorant to the situation. And all right, some of those people can't get out of there. Now, one of these defendants was a f- Marine. So he had gotten out of there and went back. Yeah. How do you get out and then go back? That's that's something I don't understand either. Well, um, what I would say is it probably has a lot to do with um, probably not, uh, you know, managing your money properly. Uh, You know, you got four years there. You're getting a paycheck. um, You can put some of that away and then you can choose to have a better life or you can just go back home and do whatever. Or you could have he could have re-upped whatever. Um, I'm just saying that trapped. I don't know what that means exactly in poverty. Um, Obviously, you have to make it to signing up for enlistment age without a felony in order to be able to do that. And lots of people in many of these neighborhoods can't do that. But I think that there are things that one can do. I say this, mind you, as a man who spent eight and a half years in prison, I didn't have to go back to the hood. But I went out, had to go get a job. Yeah. You know, I went out and I got a job. Then I got another job, you know, and I worked and saved my money and, you know, did those sorts of things. So I think it's possible. Maybe I'm wrong. It's a choice you made. You you didn't go back. Racism? Well, I would say that me having to deal with racism in prison is probably different than, um, you know, this uh, Williams Guide having to deal with racism or whatever that, uh, however, whatever form it takes in a predominantly black neighborhood in uh, Los Angeles. But nonetheless, that's what was argued here. And the point that I was trying to make in the previous article from Zero Hedge here, where they have suspended the ability to suspend students for disruptions in class in California um, because of, let's see, putting an end to discriminatory discipline policies and instituting restorative justice practices. Now, I'm for restorative justice, but I'm also not an idiot. Okay? Restorative justice requires everybody to come to the table with sort of an honest, open heart. To discuss what occurred, hmm. and that doesn't sound like it's that doesn't sound like the thing that's going to happen in in a schoolyard situation where or any, kids uh, are beating up teachers. Well, it's it's in any given circumstance, it could happen. It could. One of the problems with our current sort of criminal justice system is is that which, by the way, I was taught the first three rules of criminal defense is deny, 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 and that doesn't work very well with restorative justice. And one of the reasons that the first three rules of criminal defense is deny, deny, deny is because if you just walk in and say, I did it and I'm sorry, you're basically throwing yourself on the mercy of the court and anything can happen. So if you're prepared to do that, and I think that once most people just want you to acknowledge what you did, you know, like the want the guilty party to acknowledge what the guilty party did. And that's when healing and these sorts of things can occur. But if somebody's not willing to admit to doing something or they believe that the thing that they did was the result of class and racial strife and that they're not therefore not responsible or at the very least not as responsible for it, then I don't believe you're they're going to be entering the restorative justice phase in a way that is necessarily going to make everybody happy. No, yeah, you're right. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. You yeah, you have to be ready. You have to be ready for that. And uh, I I I'm certainly ready to say that I get that there's these all these components uh that go on, but this is a 
this is a problem is to get take away one of the few tools that schools have left for discipline and just say, all right, you guys are going to use restorative justice. Good luck. Bye bye. Mm. I mean, I think schools are basically going to turn to the point that they're going to make classes of, you know, the sweat hogs, the bad the bad kids. For those of you who are not familiar with Welcome Back Carter, that, that might be the only thing they can do in, in this situation, at which point they can just, you know, hey, um, we're putting the uh, P.E. coach in here. And if y'all want to fight, he's going to smash your heads or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know if what? They're even allowed to do that. I, right. I, I, you know, I, I was just thinking of my time in public school when absolutely uh, Mr. Visser would have picked one of you up by the scruff of your neck and thrown you across and could throw you bodily across the room. Um, so I guess that probably can't even happen. Right. Like the P.E. coach goes in there and it's like they're fighting again. It lock the, locks the doors down and lets them uh, do a cage match or something. I don't even know. I mean, this is so many problems. Let me just finish the briefly the article here. Opposed to the bill was the Charter School Development Center. So, by the way, this isn't just public schools. This is charter, charter schools, schools too. too. Okay. We told everybody on Free Talk Live, when you take the state money, even yeah. to create a school that's better than the public school... Ultimately, they're going to come down on you and they're going to pass their rules. And here's one of the rules. Now the charter schools can't suspend and presumably can't expel the problem kids. Now, I presume they can not let them in, but that isn't going to be pretty either. Let's see. Um, director said that uh, this is a one-size-fits-all measure that's a fix in search of a problem. Many students like uh, these just need a uh, – so may- maybe students like these just need a timeout session. And then it shows the video here of two California students uh, beating the hell out of their teacher. Here, take a look at this one, uh, Michael. You're, you're going to love it. So here they are pummeling her from the top of the head, now going for haymakers to the side. The teacher tries to sort of fight him off, but two students really, um, you know, they really lay into her now. Now she's got her by the hair. Bang, bang, bang. Knee right to the face. Back to the slapping on the top of the head and then picks up something rectangular uh, and throws it at her. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just watched the whole thing, and they're, they're just going nuts on her. It's... She's, no she suspensions for these girls. No suspensions. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at edge.app. Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet. Free Talk Live. Uh, You can call in and talk about whatever you want that's true uh basically every night of the week from 7 p.m to 10 p.m eastern time it's mark with you and michael michael uh we just finished uh, an article here from zerohedge.com that uh, california schools are no longer going to be able to suspend students and i do not like government schools much at all but to take away um the few disciplinary tools that they have left uh makes me wonder 
what the future is going to be like in California schools where you can no longer suspend students that do outrageous things. Like like beat up their teachers. I, well, I, I don't think that's it's an unrelated incident, but yeah, I mean, it does it happen? There's video proof on this article. It happens. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. But uh, During the break, I was actually reading a different story that mentioned that uh, California had already eliminated suspensions for up through third grade for defiant behavior. Okay. And that, so now they're expanding it all the way to eighth grade. Right. And, you know, maybe this is some attempt to forestall the prison, school to prison pipeline, as they call it, which seems to be more prevalent in the South than in California. But no, it's everywhere. California has no problem filling prisons with inmates, but somehow they have a problem with suspending a student who is uh, disorderly during class. I, I mean, I hope they you can't just ban something without implementing something for the vacuum. You've got to now, have they did say else. restorative justice was a plan here. They didn't talk about implementation of that at all, and I'm curious about how that's going to go. Restorative justice is a dicey thing. We're trying it in American colleges in many ways, and I, you know, I wonder what restorative justice would look like if somebody just walks in and says, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. I just don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't there. No, I didn't do that. That's, that's a good point. Restorative justice doesn't really handle that. Right. It doesn't handle the situation where um, somebody who's falsely accused is in a situation. Now, I look, I mean, in this video, clearly we can know which girls did what. The, st- the teacher probably has a reasonably good idea of who in their class uh, was beating them on the head. Yeah, I, I right? don't think there's going to be a false accusation there. So, Not with uh, video. you know, the restorative justice session could be in that circumstance. Why are you girls so angry? You know, and and ask these questions. I don't know. Maybe how it would go. I've done some mediation in my time here in the uh, the Liberty community that has moved up to New Hampshire for the Great Freedom Migration. There's you get enough people, and there's going to be disputes. Yeah, there's going to be conflicts. I mean, not everybody can get along, and people will hire. In some cases, hire me. In some cases, I just do it on my own because there's a dispute of some sort, and. Yeah, generally, I manage to get people to talk to the point that we realize that, uh, you know, that maybe this isn't worth the whole rigmarole that we're going through. But I've had people say, I'm, I'm not entering that conversation because I don't want healing. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen that happen, too. So, you know, there you go. Uh, whatever the case may be, this, um, you know, one solution might be to get your kid out of this government school and send them to a better Uh, government school in a better location Hmm. i will confess here on the air that i have gone i went uh, i went to private school from kindergarten through eighth grade and i just had to get out of that private school just had to get out of there i consider it the the greatest mistake of my life mind you um so and i wanted to go to public school better there more fun whatever it is that it was going to be it was going to be you know just more exciting than what was going on at at bradenton christian Hmm. And so I went off to the the public school, but I wanted to go to a particular one. I wanted to go to the the better public school at the time. It was called Bayshore High School in um, Manatee County, Florida. And I didn't want to go to the one in which I lived, which was Southeast High School. At the time, look, I don't know what it's like now, but at the time, Southeast High School was basically, you know, the, the, the most awful school you could get in Manatee County south of the river. And I didn't want to go to that school. So yeah, who would? I used my grandmother's address 
Now, this is the uh, slightest of sins, right? To use your grandmother's address instead of your own. I mean, what does live, reside at 5528, you know, mean? Um, <laughs> you sleep there at night? Well, some nights I did. And I got the mail there and you know, whatever. So whatever. I used a different address to go to a better school. And I know people do this and they probably don't have as close of a relationship as grandmother to uh, grandson in the situation. So what happens if somebody, say, is homeless and decides to send their kid to their friends, uh, the government school and their friend's address? They end up in prison. That's what happens. Prison. Because, well, if you're if you're blacking or homeless in this country, that's apparently where the system wants you. Uh, from People Magazine, this just out uh, last week, or yesterday, actually, a homeless mom sent, sentenced to five years in prison for using her friend's address to enroll her son in school. Five? Five years, years in prison. Years in prison for... Sending your kid to the wrong address? I don't even know how to describe that. Sending your kid to the school corresponding to the wrong address. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I, so if you're homeless, where do you live? Uh, well, she was living in her van. Okay. So some of the nights, presumably, she could have parked at her friend's house. Yeah, she could have. See, this is the, the, the slippery slope of what is in a, a residence. So... You know, government always wants to know what your residence is. They're just dying to know what your residence is. But there are people, some people, live at the same address for decades. The government loves that because, you know, we know where you are. We know how to find you and, you know, that kind of thing. Sadly, the kind of people that live at the same address for decades are not the kind of people the government is generally looking for. Sometimes, but generally not. For the most part, yeah. I used an address... That my grandmother's address that I uh, you know just talked about uh, previously. My mom ended up buying the house from my grandmother when my grandmother became infirm, letting her stay there until she passed away. And then my mom lived at that address for, I guess, another 15 years until I convinced her to sell that house. The, re- the neighborhood was going to pot and uh, to move near me where I had just moved. And she now lives there. Um, so the I used that address from, let's see, I left home at 16 and then I came back, then I left, then I came back, and then I went to prison, and then I came back, and then I went and got my own house, and I lived with a girlfriend, and got my own house, and then got a different house, and, you know, I lived a variety of different places, but I always used that mailing address over the course of a decade that I didn't live at that house. Yeah, well, it makes things easier, too. I just used my old address, and I think that this is done a lot by people who are in their... Teens and twenties, maybe even into your thirties. Into your thirties, you use the parents' address because they're the kind of people that stay at the the one address, and you know you can remember it, and it's easy to go get your mail there, and you got to go wash your clothes or whatever the situation is. Mm. And uh, you know, I mean, these this is the smallest of crimes, it seems to me. I mean, if you vote and you only vote in one district, but that district doesn't happen to be where you put your head last night. Have you committed a crime? According to the government, you have. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I wonder. How do you know? In the case of a homeless person, how they can even claim that she misused the, the public school system. Is it based on what town you you parked your van in? I mean, how do you know? Well, from People Magazine, and this all came about because of a person named Felicity Huffman, 
who apparently was a celebrity. Right, who, we talked about her, I think it was last night on the air or recently on the air. She uh, paid $15,000 to some scam artist who basically got gets you know got people, her kid into college well no get get a uh, gets a fake kid or you know has had the uh the proctor for the sat change the scores change the the, the answers to the questions so okay. that she got a an enviable score good enough to get into i think it was harvard or but mm-hmm. whatever ivy league school she wanted her uh child to go to who was later sort of quoted on twitter like i don't like school much Mm. Oh, Which, yeah, that that person. It doesn't surprise me. It's not like rich people don't. I mean, we don't know that rich people get to send their kids to higher level universities than the rest of us. And sometimes and their kids are just as likely to dislike school as anybody else's. 855-450-3733. Yeah! Talk live. Call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're talking about schools, government schools, generally. There's always something to talk about with government schools. And There's always something going wrong. You know, uh, we homeschool our son. Uh, we've tried a few different things, and I don't want to make it seem like I probably have made it seem like in the past, which is that um, I I somehow know the secrets to the solutions of, uh, you know, what people's, you know, how, how people should uh, educate their kids. Like, for instance, we tried unschooling, and I think that works really good for some kids, and I'm not entirely sure that works that great for every kid. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a one-size-fits-all for every kid, right. for for every person at all. And then we did some uh, homeschooling, and I do believe that homeschooling, because unschooling is simply a form of homeschooling, right? Um, Right. That homeschooling can be catered to uh, the needs of a lot of kids. Like the majority of kids could be, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say majority of kids could probably be homeschooled, and that would be okay if you tried the, you know, if you managed to pick the right curriculum early on, it gets a little harder when you've got to backtrack and say, all right, uh, you know, this system isn't working. We're doing a different system. I know there's one called Liberty Classroom out there that Tom Woods pushes and it eh, sounds pretty good. I think that uh, private schools, you get the advantages of sort of getting some of the things you ask for when you go. But government school is the least of these. Yeah, You get what school, they deliver. You, right. You get what they give you. You don't get a choice in the matter. And 85% of kids go to government schools. And I think it's because, well, you know, that's the school you send kids to. Yeah, and you don't have to pay anything extra for it because they've already taken it out of your taxes. Right, It's our, or, or the, your landlord's taxes or whatever. Right. You know, so off you go. In a lot of cases, I think parents would be um, able to pay for a good private school or come close to it. If they simply didn't have their property tax, taxes taken out, yeah, Pro- um, property tax credits, I'm all for it. Right. I mean, there were there were private schools in Sarasota, Florida, where I was uh, for some time that were, you know, thirty five hundred dollars a year. My property taxes were fourteen hundred dollars uh, a year, and most of that went to schools. So maybe a thousand of it. 
Hey, I think that parents could probably scrape it together. Plus, you say, hey, you know, I've got I'm financially I mean, a knees based color skip or whatever the, the situation is. I think that if you try, you can send your kid to a private school in many cases. Um, you know, up here in New Hampshire. Yep. I looked at the numbers here and here I've seen schools that are actually less than what people pay for the public school in their area. When I lived, uh, you know, in my previous the town, pri- the private school is less expensive than the public school. The, the private school is less expensive than the amount I paid for private school. So I was paying $3,000 a year in uh, the town I lived in previously, uh, 3300 uh, basically. And that was mm, about 70% of that was uh, for the school. So call it 2500 Okay. There was a school quite literally within walking distance of my house that it was a religious school for $1,500. That's pretty good. Now it's subsidized by its church, and I suspect they would like you. That church would like you to send to go to that church in order to send your kid to that school. But it was a pretty well attended school, and I suspect they got pretty good educations there. And that meant that if I didn't have to pay into that government, school, I would actually have a surplus of money, and could have hired you know maybe some after school tutoring or something, um, even so. So you know. This happens. Sometimes it is, uh, you know, most of the time it's financially feasible. Sometimes it's actually financially expeditious to ditch the, the government school. But you can't stop paying in many cases. Yeah, that's true. Most, most places there's no way to stop paying for the, for the government school. And I've, I've hear, heard people say, um, you know, I don't mind paying for schools that I don't send my kids to because I want to live in a community where people can read. All right. Yeah, that's so pre- I. That's what we call presuming a premise. Somebody who believes that they're smart enough to solve uh, schooling by, you know, abstractly implementing uh, a government school model should be smart enough to understand what assuming a premise is. You're assuming the premise that government schools actually teach people to read. Yeah, most, uh, a lot of, very, very often they don't. 19%, almost one out of five student government school graduates. I can't stress this enough graduates are functionally illiterate in the United States. In some districts, it's 40%, Two out of five students that graduate government school are functionally illiterate. So if you see the bumpers, if you can read the bumper sticker that says, if you can read this, thank a teacher, which is put out by the teachers union, hmm. just remember... In some districts, two out of five people can't read it. So what do you do to the teacher if you can't read? Like, this is government schools. I'm just going to stop it right here. I think teachers are great. I love many of the teachers I was in government school uh, with. But let's face it, government schools are a union racket. This is not about the teachers. Don't. Don't put this on the teachers. It is. It's, I mean, in the sense that they're union members. It's about the teachers' union. Right. And it's about the it's about the structure the the structure of the government school system. Right. And anybody you the vast majority of people that you ask, I believe, are going to tell you that a private school is generally better a choice than a public school. I also believe strongly, and I've had no one show me any refuting evidence to this, that more than ninety nine percent of uh, situations of school districts around the country that when you look at per grade per school that the it's a government school that's the worst in a given district 
It, it always is. I mean, <laughs> so there's either no private school in the district, in which case the government school is both the best and the worst um, in that grade. So, you know, you pick third grade, right? So, okay, third grade for this grade, who performs the best? They don't even, I'm looking right now uh, for private schools for my son. There's not even a comparison between government schools and private schools. You're either choosing to send your kid to a private school or you're choosing to send your kid to a government school, but there's no comparison between. I, um, I, you know, like you can find out what is the best public school in your state. You can find out what the best private school is in your state, but you can't find out how the public school ranks against the private schools. Is the public school basically the 532nd school in um, ranking? Well, we don't know. Do they not publish this data? Do they not collect it? I don't think they collect it because I think everybody understands that, you know, you're going to get a better education generally at a a private school. Is it too embarrassing? You know, it's, it's it's like saying, I think it's like asking, well, how did the Special Olympics athletes stack up against the Olympics, Olympians? Oh, oh my, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, there, there's there's no comparison between those two groups. There's no data on those two groups. In the same way, there is no data between the government schools and the private schools. I went to a private school, and I'm relatively certain that private school has never graduated a student who is functionally illiterate. Never. That seems reasonable to me. But 20% on a nationwide uh, scale. Now, that doesn't mean your your particular district. Maybe you've got the maybe you've got the real one of the really good government schools. That's what they always tell you. Ours is really good. You don't look it up. You just believe the the other t- uh, parent that said Yours it. Yours is really good because the other parents said it, or your realtor said it when they were trying to sell the house to you. Yeah, yeah. Those are the kind of things that they say. Um, I haven't even looked up how good the government school is in my town because I have no interest in sending my kid there. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's probably not worth your time to even try. It's in in this case, the People magazine here is uh, we're looking at a situation where a homeless mother was attempting to send their uh, her child to school, yeah. used a friend's address in a different town. And somehow they figured out that, uh, you know, she and I'll bet you she went through her short list of friends. Homeless people tend not to have very many because, you know, nobody wants to hang out with somebody who's going to ask him for money. <laughs> um she went through a short list of friends and said, all right, this one lives in the best school district. I'm willing to believe that. But yeah, how do you say where a homeless person lives? Where they park their van most of the time? She had a van. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. It's a, Apparently it's, she parked her van in the wrong town. Also, um, it's it's about the kid. So if, for instance, I went to live at my grandmother's house as opposed to my house, aren't I able to go to the school in that area? You should be. Or is it a situation where if I spend three days a week in my grandmother's house and four days a week at my um, uh, my parents' house, do I have to switch back and forth between schools every week? That's you crazy know, that's, talk. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that would this lady got five impossible. years in prison for lying about the school district. That isn't going to happen to a wealthy person. No. That that won't, and that's it's, that's part of the problem. That's a crime of class in in that case. You know, you're you're part of the wrong class, basically. The number, if you do disagree, the number eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's eight fifty five four fifty free, as in free talk live. 
and not to mention the shedding, I would vacuum the carpet three times a week. Frodo was scratching all night long, bouncing on the side of the bed, keeping me awake the whole entire night from all the scratching and chewing. It kind of makes you neurotic. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Mounds and mounds of fur all over the place. Come to Dynavite for help. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Dynavite is nutrition. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. Our vitamins and enzymes replace the nutrients cooked out of most commercial dog foods. He gobbles it up. He's not up all night scratching. His shedding is minimal, and it is such a pleasure to have my calm, relaxed, non-shedding puppy back. And I have to thank Dynavite for that. Don't let your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy. Come to Dynavite for help. 859-428-1000. 859 D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you are free to call in and talk live here on the airwaves. It's Mark with you. And Michael. The number, 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE. You can call in and talk about whatever you want. We've been talking about schools. And in this case, there's a story out of, where was Uh, it? Bridgeport, Connecticut. Connecticut, where a homeless woman. Had been, she had been sentenced to five years in prison. Five years in prison. Because she enrolled her son in the wrong school district. Well, whatever the wrong school district, I mean, she's homeless. Yeah. Well, her friend's house. She used her friend's house, yeah, her friend's address um, to enroll her kid in school. Hopefully to get him out of, uh, prob- probably to get him away from an awful school into a better school. You know, there you go. If you were a parent, wouldn't you do the same thing if you could? So in 2011, Tanya McDowell wanted a better education for her then five-year-old son, Andrew, and enrolled him in an elementary school in the neighboring town of Norwalk, using her son's babysitter's address for registration papers. So her son's babysitter was the address they used. Okay. At the time, she and her son were living out of her van and homeless shelters and spending nights at an apartment in Bridgeport, the the Connecticut Post reported. Uh, the mother was arrested and charged with first-degree larceny Jeez. and sentenced to five years behind bars for the, quote, stolen education. So they charged her with stealing an education for her kid. Yeah, that's the idea. So, and look, I mean, I can see how a community would say if a whole bunch of people from some other community came here and, you know, did whatever, then it'd be bad. And that's true. It stretched their resources, certainly. Yeah, yeah, but it also presumes that everybody's doing it when everybody's not doing it. Um, you know, mostly people want to send their kid to a place that's convenient to them. They don't want to s- drive an hour to drop their kid off, drive an hour back, and then drive an hour to pick their kid up, and then drive an hour back. It's four hours. Yeah, especially if you, especially if you, you live out of your van, you know? Yeah. So, quote, who would have thought that wanting a good education for my son would put me in this predicament, uh, McDowell said. Uh, She was also facing drug charges that she later served time for. Uh, In court at her sentencing, she said, quote, I have no regrets seeking a better education for him. I do regret my participation in this drug case. Right. And they, of course, wrap all these things together. So it all looks like, uh, you know, one big thing. And, you know, I... 
think I understand. There's also a point that um, so they they're calling this theft. Let's not forget that it is unlikely that her kid resulted in the splitting of a class into two classes. Yeah, so seems unlikely. This is important that, you know, say they've got some cap on the numbers. 25 seems to be a pretty common one. I think it's too much, but whatever. Um, 25 students per class. Unless her kid was the 26th kid and required them to pay another teacher to do another thing, then, um, and like, not only does it mean that, uh, you know, so if it, say it's one class, uh, well, in this case, it's kindergarten. Right. So in kindergarten, it's likely you just have the one teacher, as I recall. Um, so, you know, unless he was the 26th kid and they then had to split the kids into 13 and 13 and hire another teacher, then no money really, you know, happened. Pencils, the marginal cost is minimal. It's there. marginal. Right. There's more. There's That's more. Why they uh, call it marginal. Right. There's more, um, you know, pieces of paper to color on more cray- like, you know, a, one kid's worth more of crayons, one one kid's more pencils, but not much. That's about it. That Yeah, that's about it. And that's not a heck of a lot. You also haven't convinced me that she didn't that a, that a homeless one didn't actually live there. I and mean, what address was she supposed to use? Yeah, if you're homeless, I mean, what what address do you use? This is uh, this is a little disturbing because you know I I've been homeless. I I don't know if you have, but I, a lot of us have. Well, I don't know what uh, you know even how to define homeless necessarily at any given time. I mean, there was times when um, you know I'm couch surfing or whatever. So I mean, if you want to call it that, sure. Um, you know, I mean, I have I slept in my car. Well. Yeah, under certain circumstances, but none of them I would call homelessness. Yeah, I have slept in my car on road trips, but, you know. Right, that kind of thing. I could usually call upon somebody to help me out in, um, you know, any given circumstance. So I'd never quite been there, um, you know, when I, of course, at my financial lowest was when I exited prison. um, And my, you know, mother, of course, had a place for me to stay. And... I, you know, eternally grateful for that, uh, you know, bit of largesse that she gave me. But, it, you know, moms tend to do those kind of things. Yeah, that's what they're there for, right? And, uh, but I think that it's important to note that during that time frame, I lived at, you know, her address. But I had been using her address as my residence for years before that. And then for a few years after, until I bought a house that I was like, this is where I live that, you know, I mean, that gets a little complicated. This is my permanent address now. Right. If you don't have a permanent address, what are you supposed to do? By 30, I had pr- pretty much come up with a permanent address, but I had more or less used that address from the time I was quite young till 30. So, you know, I, I was lying at some points and no one ever decided that it was worth coming after me for it and charging me with uh, larceny. I suppose somebody in the Manatee County School District could claim that I had stolen an education by choosing to go to uh, one high school over another, where my grandmother's house was versus where my mother's house was. But I I think that whatever, whatever amount of resources are spent putting this woman in jail, are misplaced far ex- far exceeded the value of the so-called stolen education. I right, mean, this is just to me. This is just criminalizing poverty because you know she could have parked her van in in the other town and she would have theoretically been fine. 
Right. She could have parked it at the babysitter's house, uh, spent the night there, and then everything's cool. Um, And who knows how many times she did that. I don't know the answer to that. It's a very difficult situation, and clearly it does look like criminalizing poverty. All she wanted was the best education she could get for her son, and anybody who holds her responsible for, you know, uh, criminally responsible for that seems like a bad person to me. Mm. I, um, you know, it's 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 the system. It's that's what it does. <laughs> that's what it does. Uh, I I don't understand how she could have gotten herself caught up in this without. But I guess there were some drug charges uh, yeah, too, and like that's the difficulty. Some... Is is that um, these things get murky because they pile charges on. That's what prosecutors do. So, oh well, we found um, we found some drugs in the car. So now everything that uh, you say is uh, you know wrong, and we can go after that. So, for instance, I had a friend, Derek J, who had some charges uh, brought against him that he could have fought and won, but he had some charges that brought against him that he could could not fight and win. So, going to court and beating half the charges would have likely resulted in more time. And energy spent in dealing with the problems than the probationary period that they gave him for everything. So they found him guilty for everything, gave him probation for it, and off they went. In the case of a homeless person, they know that there's not going to be a lawyer involved, so they can do whatever they want, and they do. And uh, you know, any dollars that are spent on this lady are complete waste. Prisons should be held for people who commit violent crimes or I'm willing to go a little further and say, you know, if somebody simply can't learn their lesson, like a thief, a burglar that just keeps breaking into places, you know, first you give them, you know, first they have to pay everything back and fix damages, and then they have to, you know, there's some kind of punitive damages, and then, um, you know, probation isn't working, house arrest isn't working, then, all right, stop breaking into houses or you're going to prison, and then, you know, throw them in prison and see if that works. Mind you... It doesn't because it doesn't know it. burglars appear to be the uh, the highest on recidivist levels. They beat out pedophiles, which everybody would have wow. you believe are the uh, the most dangerous people as far as recidivism goes. No, no, not so much. It's burglars, burglars are. <laughs> and I suspect that's because it's coupled with drug addiction. You know, they got to get that crack or yeah, yeah, heroin get, or whatever. Yeah, you get fixed somehow. And uh, yeah. That's not. That's a whole other war on drugs issue. So, that's true, and uh, that problem. Some of those problems could be solved in that case, but some people will still break into houses. The number is eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's eight fifty five four fifty free, as in Free Talk Live. Or you can use the Discord lines. You go to discord.freetalklive.com. There's a link there to download the app. Use the app, and we've got three call-in lines. We're going to be taking a call there from there coming up. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's Mark with you. And Michael. The number is 855-450-3733. We're talking about schools here. It just keeps on giving this particular topic. But uh, you're welcome to call in and talk about whatever you want, as Tritium has done. We'll get to Tritium here in just a moment. want to tell you about Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com is a great source for finding about about cryptocurrencies. Generally, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash specifically, they write 
the best news in that sphere from what I've seen. And you may, I think you're going to love it. Go to Bitcoin.com. They, if you're new, they've got a getting started section there. That's awesome. They'll tell you how to get a wallet, what Bitcoin is, all about it. You'll understand as thoroughly as you need to understand very quickly. Obviously, this is a topic that you can continue digging into for a very, very, very long time. But the amount of knowledge you get is not nearly so much as that first 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, yep. In that first 10 minutes, you can understand what Bitcoin is. If you go to Bitcoin.com, get a wallet. Get some free Bitcoin. Buy some Bitcoin. You can do it with a credit card there at Bitcoin.com. It's awesome. Plus, they have uh, local.bitcoin.com. It'll allow you to get your Bitcoin cash um, with uh, out having to pay a fee. Yep. Bitcoin.com promotes Bitcoin cash because they believe it to be, well, it is, <laughs> uh, faster, easier to use, and a whole variety of things um, as far as the other cryptocurrencies out there. So Bitcoin.com, find out about what they've got going on there. Let's go to the phones, or, well, Discord. Tridium, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, yeah, um, I called last night, and I just wanted to... You know, talk some more about the free market and everything. Okay. And don't don't get me wrong. When I when I was calling last night, I know you were on, Mark. Um, we we talked about how you know it, the, the status and the people in the on on the uh, liberal or the just the center left camp or whatever. You know, we have a kind of a, a realistic route towards single payer. And, and, and you, might, you might say people don't necessarily see see a real a realistic route to the. Uh, a free market solution and to some extent that you know i kind of agreed with with that i guess i do know, agree that the route view. to single payer is more clear and easier than the route um out of what we've got so uh let's let's design let's let's talk about what we have people will often say we have a free market in medicine in the united states and then nothing could be further from the yeah, truth we don't the medical medical system before obamacare was three-fifths Every three out of every four dollars, excuse me, three fourths, three out of every four dollars that was spent in medicine at the time was spent by the government. Now it's seven eighths. And, um, you know, I mean, a universal health care system is obviously one eighth is a shorter route than seven eighths. Yeah. So I will agree that it's probably easier and that likely universal health care is coming down the pike. Will it be a good thing for the American people in the short term. A lot of people who cannot get, um, who claim to not be able to get medical care, will be able to get it, and those are the things that'll be trumpeted. And like Social Security, once it's implemented, it will be completely unimplementable. Uh, like you can't get rid of it. It's like a tick. Yeah, it's you, burrowed in, and it's not going anywhere. It'll be stuck there forever. Um, in the long yeah, run, at the same time, what you'll at see. At the same time, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. In the long run, what you'll see is a diminishment in research and development because the profit motive won't be there in the same way as it was. And the largest medical market in the world will be now universal. And what I don't understand, what I'll never understand as a person who picked up and moved for more liberty by moving to New Hampshire for the great freedom migration, I will never understand how somebody who wants universal health care and says everything's great in Denmark just doesn't pick up and move to Denmark. Yeah, but we don't have um, – we're not Denmark. This country's not Denmark. This country's totally owned by the corporations. What you got to understand okay. in, in this country is that when, when government – when government redistribution is not 
there's no there's no left wing system in this country. It's it's pure profit for the um the, the medical companies because what what they do is they um, unlike these other countries like you mentioned Denmark and European countries they don't negotiate down the price as you would if you were buying in well in massive bulk and bulk for the entire population perhaps who's, who's they the government they actually, yeah the government does oh, not yeah, sure. negotiate down the price with yeah, the does. um absolutely it does sure absolutely Medicare Medicaid costs are negotiated yeah. They're negotiated, but they're not negotiated to the point where um, they're not negotiated to the point as as they are to, to other countries. There's still a, a, a massive guaranteed profit. So what you okay. what you'll what you'll see is that those countries, those companies will through through their representatives in Congress will write the law not to you know maximize the you know utility to the uh, people in there, but they'll 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 they'll, they'll write the law to maximize the benefit to to themselves, and we'll get a clunky you know bureaucratic system that doesn't work for us but it'll work for someone well it'll work for some people and it'll not work for other people like the uh canadian like the canadian guy who uh you know has recently committed assisted suicide because he wasn't getting the treatment he wanted to get from uh their national health care system or the baby that was killed in um england there's some there's some really stunning examples out there of people who got poor service from their medical systems but people generally are like hey i want free medical so um, you know, there it is. I had free medical in prison. It sucked. I don't want it again. Yeah, I suspect that it works for some people at the very, very top, but no, not for the uh, vast majority of the you know people actually recipients of the system. I, pro- well, I, I, I think, think that that's probably actual, a factor. Sure. Yeah, I think the actual solution uh, solution would be involved involving you know moving to New Hampshire because Ian interjected about moving to New Hampshire as he always will, and um, you know the only thing you can I, I honestly do through a legislation legislator to actually bring about freedom, in my opinion, you know, in, in regards to a lot of these things, is to negate the enforcement arm of the state because they are the enforcement arm of the state is what allows them to actually you know interject themselves. Um, in, you know, in, into uh, what would otherwise otherwise be free markets. So I'm a real. I'm not big sure about of, that. Um, you're talking I mean, about asking in, the government to give up its guns. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. But Europe, well, the federal for instance, government would be a problem. Europe has a pretty, um, you know, lax policing systems. Let's take Germany for instance. Um, you know, they're 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 cops. <laughs> they don't shoot anybody. <laughs> so as far as an enforcement arm goes, how exactly do you intend to? Um, you know, neuter this enforcement arm so that suddenly the free market can just spring to life. Well, it's the only thing I can see that could possibly be uh, effective. So, I mean, move to Mexico. I, I'm sure they if you want a free market in medicine, I'm, move to Mexico. Yeah, they they, they can't they can't um, enforce uh, their their regulations. And we're talking about economic regulations. Really, some of the most damaging laws. Really, the most damaging laws oh, yeah. in, in regards to especially something like healthcare are these economic regulations. So, I'm really a big proponent of of a um, a, a, a an, uh, anti-capitalist libertarian uh, uh, philosophy referred to, uh, you know, known as agorism. I think it's been mentioned a lot on the show. I have um, usually very little use for this practice. idea. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have very little use for this idea. Really, the, count, the uh, counter-economics yeah, argument, right? The counter-economy, um, and we've got. I definitely want to have this conversation yeah. because I, I know you know the Alt Expo guy, don't you? Oh, I do. Yeah. Um, the I'll have those. Uh, I'll have those conversations with the Atridium. Uh, hold the line if you would. So sure. here it is. Libertarian tears apart agorism or agorist tears apart libertarian. We'll see what goes on. Now, I don't want to make it a fight, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) Free Talk Live. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite. 
is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dinovite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Talk Live. This hour is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. Just got a call here from uh, Tritium. Let's see if we can pull Tritium back up here. Tritium, can you hear me? Tritium, can you hear me now? Uh, I'm here now. I, I had that muted just in case. Nothing. Thank you. Appreciate the uh, producer help there. So I, I hate to call something a debate that's not, right? Debates are structured. They have, uh, um, you know, we have winners and losers, people vote, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm going to call this a discussion. But the discussion is basically agorism versus libertarianism. And there's a lot of parallels between these two. Basically, it's an argue, uh, you know, implementation styles. Uh, libertarianism may be more focused on political intervention, whereas agorism would eschew political intervention and go for more direct action kind of stuff. So I'm going to take just a brief second to describe sort of libertarianism as what I believe it to be. Libertarianism is a moral belief that uh, issues violence uh, for solutions to problems, uh, initiatory violence. So you can use violence to protect yourself, but otherwise, no. And many libertarians try to use the political system to not much success throughout the United States, but more happening all the time. And in New Hampshire, there are, you know, libertarians that have had you know, a modicum of success here. Some things have been passed, that kind of thing. Go ahead, uh, Tritium, go ahead and define agorism so I'm not uh, creating straw man. Yeah, um, agorism is basically a um, what, I, what I would refer to as a, an adjective form, libertarian or anarchist, um, uh, free market oriented anarchist uh, philosophy centered around, um, you know, several things, basically um, opposing the status quo economic system, whatever you want to call that, and centered around this idea of counter economics or the counter economy and the agora, the open marketplace, where people um, basically conduct uh, exchange business relations outside of the uh, state regulated uh, structures and uh, the economic system that's this in place in our society. So um, first, first salvo I would say is um, we have read here on the air that uh, the counter economy is alive and well globally, that something in the neighborhood of three out of every four transactions on the planet happen in the counter economy. No taxes are paid on it. Nobody knows about the transactions. Just like, you know, here, you give me some money, I'll give you this thing. And that is obviously lower in the United States. And I would presume that most of those transactions that is that of those three out of four transactions, that those are probably the smaller three out of four transactions. So I'm going to concede that maybe the biggest of transactions are recorded. Yeah, I, but I would think so, yes. It's just an idea. I don't know. Um, but at this point, agorists have won. I mean, if you've got 75% implementation of your ideas, then as far as I can tell, you've already won the game. So what's winning look like? 
It looks like what we have today, which is what agorists complain about. So I would say that it's an unwinnable, uh, that the, it's an unsuitable idea because you guys have already got implementation. Go ahead, return. Well, if you if you don't consider um, the the state coercive uh, structure and their their economic system this, that we have in our society to be like a, a natural outgrowth, then yeah, you you could say that any um, any any exchange that goes on outside the system is actually a uh, is actually agorism. But I mean, agorism is, is the idea of promotion of that as opposed to working within the uh, system. So, of course, you know, you're you're definitely engaging in this kind of exchange if you're not working within their artificially um, uh, imposed system in, imposed by violence. But in order to – how do we get the uh, remainder of the so-called white economy to – for people to compete and lower prices, increase quality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera – you know, without working within their system. That's the idea of, of the Agora and promoting agorism. So, yeah, right. so Agora says that, uh, you know, that you got to convince some people to work with, uh, you know, outside the system or whatever. I just don't, I mean, I've, I've, you got 75% implementation, so you, you've already won, and this is what winning looks like. Um, uh, okay, next thing. I wouldn't I, call it a victory. I mean, no, this is not a victory. That's why I say that agorism is a non revolutionary idea set. And here's, here's my second point I uh, had a farm for quite some time. I grew my food. There were some days when I would have meals that were entirely constructed of food that had been grown on my farm, in my garden, uh, from my uh, pigs. Uh, um, you know, Allah forgive me, Tritium. Um, and, uh, you know, the, sh- the state never quaked in its boots. It never cared that I didn't pay taxes on the meals that I was eating because it was doing fine and the small amount that a few libertarians that have gotten disenchanted with the political process, usually without ever, ever, ever having really tried their very hard anyway, but the ones that became disenchanted and decided, well, let's try agorism. This conked guy uh, you know, came up with this idea back in the, uh, the 70s, and, well, it hasn't done anything yet. Maybe it'll do something now. I'm, I, I, again, time to, for concession. Uh, Bitcoin is... Agorism winning the lottery. So uh, cryptocurrencies basically are an agorist project, and uh, starting with Bitcoin, and they were successful, wildly successful. And I don't know. I mean, I think there's some differences between currency and uh, other stuff. Like, for instance, I can choose to send my kid to a school that is not a, a government school. They don't care. They care whether I pay or not, but that's not, you know, agorism doesn't really have a solution for me. Well, live in a live in a boat, live in an RV. Don't have to you don't have to pay taxes or something. They just don't have good solutions uh, for this stuff. And I just well, don't I don't see any answers. I'm, I'm not for agorism living in a boat, living in an RV. Problem. Well, uh, hold on one at a time. Go ahead. I, I, I don't think those are the problems agorism is trying to solve, though. What problems are agorism trying to solve? What, give me a give me a problem and I'll give you a solution. The problem I see that that agorism is well well uh, suited to solve is the problem where government wants to wants to at least know about every transaction sure. you make, or wants to take a cut of it. But they've already the government already understands that they're you know they're trying to implement more transactional oversight. There's no doubt about that. And yes, I want them to have as little as possible. But uh, you know, I mean, I buy a car. 
I don't report the right amount of uh, um, of the price so that the government uh, takes less tax from me or yeah, how about something that car for a dollar. Yeah. Whoopie doo! You know, <laughs> I I've been doing this agorism thing for years and. Nobody cares. They don't care. There's no there's no in game here. There's no at all. Finally, this is what victory looks like. It's like dodge taxes. Step one, dodge taxes. Step two, we're not sure on step three victory, you know, and there's there's no plan here. This is not a plan. This is a complaint by disenchanted libertarians. Well, I think there's a lot of uh, Anarchist economic theory that's this kind of missing from that uh, that inv- involves this the system we have. So let me you were creating food outside of the system, and obviously you're one person, and one person is not a movement. But let me tell you about another group of of anarchists that are creating, um, you, you know, do it do yourself in the basement. Uh, uh, molecular reactors that can create uh, any simple molecule, uh, uh, much of the pharmaceutical. Uh, repertoire that, that's be used in medicine, and they can do it for for pennies or for dollars yep. for 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 medicines that are protected by IP that the cost um, technology developed by government money given to private interest that the medicines that cost seven hundred fifty three thousand dollars a pop they can create uh, the epipens that cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars for for just a few dollars. Can I not um, go through um, you know Canadian the Canadian drug sites and get these drugs for significantly less without having to contact? I'm talking about significantly less than that. People less are than making that. Uh, firearms 3D printed. They people are making every you can when, when you can manufacture and create items that you can exchange or for yourself in your basement instead of going through the gate kept uh, economic system that we have now. Uh, we, we, we can we can all it's it's all about deconstructing the economic system that we have now when you can create when you can grow the plants that, that's your medicine instead of the inferior addictive products that uh, Tritium I'm going to leave it right there I think you've made a good argument yeah, you, you, know I'm get, you know where I'm going with that 855-450-3733 Free Talk Live call in talk about whatever's on your mind <laughs> That doesn't matter if you dropped your phone. Yeah, no big deal. 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE. It's Mark with you. And Michael. And, uh, yeah, I've, I can tell you about Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature is a product that I've been taking for eh, probably close to a month now. A friend of ours, a uh, friend of the show, Riley Blake, guy who does our digest, uh, works for the company. And that's how we got hooked up with him. And I think, uh, you know, for me, one of their best products, um, you know, I'm taking I'm taking one of their products that is uh, the supplement that includes uh, spices that are supposed to, I don't know, make digestion better and, and uh, make you healthier and things like that. And I haven't noticed any big change, but I eat a pretty good diet and uh, it makes my smoothies taste better. So, you know, I'm down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Secondly. Um, there's, uh, they have the fruits and vegetable tablets. So fruit capsules and vegetable capsules, they're separate. If you think three fruit capsules and three vegetable capsules, you get 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. It's, uh, that's a lot of nutrition. Some days we can't hit those numbers that we'd like to hit as far as uh, vegetables go. And there's no overdosing on vegetables. I have yet to hear ever. I don't think it's possible. A doctor or nutritional expert say, well, you're just eating too many vegetables. You're going to have to eat more Fritos. I don't know, whatever, whatever their uh, advice is. Yeah, never happened. Yeah, great product. It's food. 
not drugs. Go online, become a preferred customer, which gives you the best pricing and free shipping. After your third month, Balance of Nature will ship to you at no extra charge an additional set of fruits and veggies. This is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code FTL. It's discount code FTL at balanceofnature.com. So, from NPR.org, not exactly a conservative rag there. To prevent school shootings, districts are surveilling students' online lives. Mm. As if this is going to help. Well, yeah. It, but it allows them to surveil students' online yeah, lives. It's a, it's a good excuse. Well, somebody might somebody might become a school shooter, so we need to know what you're doing on social media, and we need to know what you're doing at home. We need to know what you're doing all the time. That's what they do, right? They they never let a crisis go to waste. In a photo taken last March, a teenage boy is sitting at his desk with a plastic pellet gun that looks like an AR-15. This is an airsoft rifle and it's propped up on the arm of the chair, pointing at the ceiling. And the boy, Eric, is looking at the camera. We're not going to use his name, um, his last name, to protect his privacy. So this is a toy. Mm -hmm. A little airsoft gun like lots of kids have. Now, uh, for those that don't know what an airsoft gun is, what is it? It's, uh, It's kind of a replica gun that shoots little tiny pellets. Now, they have an orange barrel, though, have, to they distinguish. An or- they have an orange barrel or an orange tip, and if you look at them, you'll see the, you'll see the orange flash, and you'll know it's, it's, a, it's not a real gun. Right. It so, doesn't shoot bullets. Right. It, uh, it looks like regular guns, but it's made of plastic, generally, and mm-hmm. it shoots a plastic pellet. Now, when I hear pellet, I think of a pellet gun, which could kill a fox, maybe a badger, you know, a few, you know, this sort of size animal. Um, you know, foul, most foul, mm. but these pellets are pellets, but they're plastic pellets. They're round, large round BBs. So a BB is smaller than this. Um, it might put a welt on you. Probably will put a welt on you, but won't even pierce the skin. Right. If it hits you in the eye, I suppose there could be some damage, but you know, you're supposed to when playing airsoft, you're supposed to be wearing goggles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and yep, yeah, shoot your friend in the butt. And they'll know that they were hit. That's the idea. Eric's friend took, uh, let's see, putting a, okay, Eric's friend took the picture. And at the time, Eric says he didn't realize his friend had captioned the photo. Don't come to school Monday. And it set, uh, sent it to others on Snapchat. Oh, that explains so much. I, I'd heard this story a few months ago, and I didn't couldn't understand, understand why. Why, yeah. why, why everyone had gone nuts over it, but now it, now it makes sense. So his friend does something, makes a stupid, horrible joke, and it just spiraled out of control from there. I don't think he really had the intention of getting me in trouble, Eric says. These are young boys. They don't really understand all the jokes, all the uh, rea- problems that their jokes can cause. But Eric, who's now in 10th grade, did get in trouble. He explained his friend's post as dark humor. Someone reported the photo to the Miami-Dade County Public Schools where Eric's a student, two police officers, and Eric's principal took him out of class to question him. I was terrified. They think I wanted to shoot up the school, and I I didn't. I didn't want that at all. Eric was uh, recommended for expulsion. His parents fought it, explaining that he didn't take the picture, the caption, um, caption it, or send it to anyone himself. Ultimately, he was moved from his A-rated magnet school to a different school with a C rating. 
So he was. So he did kick him out of the magnet school. Right. Can't can't have you uh, in the good school getting good grades and doing well. Go back to the mediocre school where where. Where what? We don't care if you shoot the kids. Yeah. Exactly I, what? Yeah. I guess. What Let's a, go to the phones here. Uh, Kirby calling in from Indy. Kirby, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Thanks, Kirby. Um, I'm going to be as quick as I can. I heard you mention just a moment ago about mass shootings and this thing and, uh, with this young kid you're talking about. I went to go uh, pick up a gun two weeks ago that I had ordered, and I'm in this gun store filling out my paperwork, and I'm talking to the clerk, and he brought up that what was at the time the latest mass shooting, I guess, was uh, Odessa. Uh-huh. Anyway, he said, you know what would stop people from doing this? I go, what? He's got a solution. He said, Excellent. Yeah. He said if the government would stop driving people to desperation and pay attention to its people's needs. That's such a good point. Well, yeah. Stop. Sounds great. <laughs> Yeah, that that point yeah, needs. We're dealing with a government, right? It's completely. I mean, they're irresponsible for uh, for um, meeting your needs. So why would they? I mean, you know, it's just people don't do that if they don't have to. Um, well, yeah. isn't that what we pay them for? Because I looked at my check yesterday, and Uncle Sam got twenty eight percent of it before I got a dime. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know? um, I think that that's what they pay uh, you pay them for. However. They, um, if they actually implemented a program to meet people's needs, I'd be terrified of what the results would be. You ever heard of the Veterans uh, Administration? Like what, what's that? You ever heard of the Veterans yeah, Administration? Actually, I VA? Yeah. Uh, I bet I <laughs> and they get right. They, how do I put this so that it's clean enough for the radio? They get sand pounded up in them on a regular basis. Uh, I understand the governments are just here for themselves, but right now we, the people, need to stand up and tell our government to shut up and sit down. The more we can tell them that, uh, the better, but we have such a terrible system for informing them. Uh, We'll be getting the presidential election, which is probably the uh, way that people find to be the most effective way to communicate to their government, and... You know, I saw a friend post today on Facebook that she's in the Elizabeth Warren camp, but she'll take anybody over this despicable waste of a human being or whatever, referring to Trump. And, you know, in the world where I'm choosing between two terrible choices for president, it's not like I can really send a message like get out of my life. There won't be the get out of my life option really isn't there. Yeah, that's not on the ballot. Or at the very least, it's the libertarian and, uh, you know, not enough people vote for him. I understand, you know, last presidential election, I uh, I opted out. I couldn't vote for the lesser of two evils. I refuse to do that anymore. Um, we can make our government listen. But it's going to require us all to unite and say, hey, we're not going to work this day or this day or this day until you straighten up. Yeah, union activities Uh, would absolutely work, like a union of taxpayers. um, That would absolutely put the government on notice. And it's been tried. I really wish somebody would implement it properly. I don't know it's been effectively tried since the Internet age. And we now have the best uh, communication tool we've ever had in our lives, so maybe. Uh, I, you know, yeah, I'm for it. We are so divided. 
America, yes. this is, we are already in the balkanization of America. Yeah. We are eight different nations. We are, just in my black community, four or five different nations that will, they, they can agree on what the problem is, but refuse to even talk about a solution because everyone has their idea and everyone else is, is wrong. We yeah. need to choose our leaders by lottery and <laughs> yep. pick the plumber to be the president. Right. I work a lot better. Joe Plumber would do a much better job as our president than Donald J. Trump. I vote for Kirby. Or Barack Obama. <laughs> you, got, you got my vote, Kirby. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Well, I, I got too many skeletons in my closet. Yeah. I can't run. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Don't we all? Thanks for the call, Kirby. The number, 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE. What do you think about Kirby's ideas? Is it a, is, is it a solution? 855-450-FREE. Business owners, you want more customers? Accept cryptocurrencies. There's people all around you just waiting to spend money at your store. If only you would take it. I know, you've been waiting till someone else makes it easy. Well, good news. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com adds Bitcoin to your point of sale, totally free. Use the same equipment you already have, now with Bitcoin. And unlike credit cards, there's no fees. Let the guys at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com bring new customers to your store. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com Talk live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you and Michael. The number is 855 450 3733, or you can use the Discord lines as the Desert Links has here on Discord. Desert Links, what's on your mind? Hey, how's it going? All's well. I hear you have big dash news for us. Yes, I'm not sure if you've already uh, covered it on the show. We have not, not but... um, as I understand it. We have not. And Dash is what? Dash is digital cash. It's a cryptocurrency based on Bitcoin that is, in my view, the most fine-tuned to become digital cash, our everyday money, our everyday payment system. Okay, what's the big news? So Dash was recently listed on Coinbase Pro with the exchange behind Coinbase, which is the the popular um, broker app that I believe in late 2017 was number one in the app store. And so this has been sort of a long time coming. But more importantly, of all the different cryptocurrencies, they decided to have Dash accepted within five minutes of uh, deposit. Now, for the other ones, for example, say Bitcoin, they wait for six confirmations, which is close to an hour until they recognize that as a, as a deposit and not just, um, well, this could go either way at this point. They recognize the transaction is settled and final. But with Dash, it's within five minutes, which the only reason they would have done that is if they properly re- recognize that Dash has this new functionality called chain locks, which essentially makes it impossible to 51% attack, which is just check technical jargon for attack the network. Hack it, yeah. Yeah, I hear that um, now, I mean, so there's no possibility of doing what they call a double spend, counterfeiting the cryptocurrency? No. there's uh, There have been a, a few different protections against that in the past, but with a the latest update of Dash, every single transaction is locked in permanently within just a couple of seconds. 
And of course, that would mean it would probably make more sense for something like Coinbase to uh, acknowledge a deposit as final within just a few seconds instead of a couple minutes. But hey, baby steps. I think that it's a, since it's new technology and people are waiting to see if it's been if it's proven to be as effective as it claims to be, then you know I think they're they're waiting to see how things shake out before throwing all their faith in it. I guess the only way to find out is if, if someone actually performs the attack. Yes, of course. Now Stress there have test. been there have been attacks on other networks. Um, Ethereum Classic, for example, famously got attacked. Um, Horizon, formerly Zencash, got attacked, and they have since implemented their own kind of anti fifty one percent attack. But uh, a lot of people seem to consider that Bitcoin is too big to fail at this point in terms of it's too large and established a network in order to launch an, a successful attack. Now, it might be very difficult, but we have to also consider that, for example, uh, the great majority of the network's infrastructure is based in China. And while that doesn't, while they might not be under the same entity, one can easily imagine a state kind of attack compromising major mining pools. And that does not necessarily mean it would be a permanent attack. Of course, depending on where miners are located around the world, they could switch their hash power again more technical in the wood stuff. But I, I don't think that we... If the Chinese government somehow kidnapped, you know, the top five, uh, you know, CEOs of uh, of these mining companies in China... Well, they don't need to kidnap them. It's China. They can just go have a conversation. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, so hit him in the knee with a wrench. Um, then... And like, hey, you know, you're going to do what we want to do. We're going to perpetrate a 51% attack if that's what they wanted to do. And then they'd they'd be pretty far along with that particular attack if if that's what they chose to do. Yes, exactly. And this has been viewed as something like, well, if you have a weaker chain, you have a weaker currency, then you kind of need some extra protection. But Bitcoin doesn't. And I think that while the first is true... The second, it might not necessarily be true. It's an evolve or die kind of a thing. The state will always be getting stronger, more clever, and study its opponents, i.e. proponents of freedom, much more closely. And so we always have to constantly evolve as well. This this is is a a great feature for Dash, and I can see how this sets people's mind at ease a little bit. But I've been using Dash for transactions here in the state of New Hampshire for some time. So right. uh, Without... Without too many particular problems, um, none really related to the currency, more related to, you know, technical problems that spring up. And, you know, we're the vanguard here in New Hampshire. We've been uh, we've had a community using Dash for longer than any place on the planet. But I recently saw and when I was in Acapulco for Anarchapulco this year. I saw I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Rod, uh, this activist, his uh, Dash activist, went to Venezuela and he showed that apparently there's widespread adoption in Venezuela for Dash. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yes, exactly. Uh, There have been a few different teams on the ground there that have gotten a great deal of advancement in merchant adoption. And of course, it's an extremely volatile country. And so you have uh, definitely a drop off here and there and more added here and there. But uh, the Dash economy is thriving very well. Um, as of today, a single parking garage over the last month or so has had over 1,200 people pay in Dash for parking because it solves a very unique problem with their, their parking uh, garage. And what is now, that problem? They point of sale systems. As, as much as we 
uh, like to focus on the hyperinflation in the country, yeah. the currency problems, their point of sale systems, probably as a result of having to do those increasingly crazy calculations, with all those, those zeros at the end, yeah. um, are very inefficient. And so, for example, if you you go to the shopping mall and park in the garage, you can possibly be mating like 30 minutes to an hour for your payment to process just to leave the mall. And so it's a huge pain point. There's lines of people out the door trying to pay. But if you have, there's someone there who will sell you dash peer to peer right there. And you can instantly use that to then go pay for your parking and just be out in a couple minutes. And because of that unique problem that it solved, you have people now starting to use dash on a great, uh, greater scale. Right. And it's one and, thing to use it for parking, but um, they can use that same dash that they purchased there and they can use it at a uh, pizza shop and a variety of places around town. Uh, adoption appears to be getting widespread. I mean, you know, have, certainly more widespread than it is any place else for any other currency uh, as far as usage um, and, you know, acceptance. And those are important things because if Venezuela can show itself to be a uh, you know, uh, a model for cryptocurrency acceptance, then you'll find, and the next government will come along that will hyperinflate its currency. There will be more irresponsible politicians that destroy the economies of their particular uh, countries. Guaranteed to happen. I mean, uh, Argentina's trying its best right now, again, you know, their little merry-go-round of uh, currency destruction that goes on in Argentina. They didn't learn their lesson 20 years ago. And the politicians are like, well, you know, whatever. You know, hey, you got to live with it because we make the currency. Well, not anymore, fellas. And if we can show that this, you know, this implementation works, and I agree with you, Dash has many features to it that uh, make it desirable as a um, alternative to use as far as uh, currency goes and stuff like that. I think um, BTC, what's known as Bitcoin um, itself, BTC is probably uh, years away from what they're hoping to implement uh, as far as, you know, widespread acceptance, but dash. Yeah, it can do it. Yeah. And that's exactly the point is there was a great foundation that was built by Bitcoin way, what, 10 years ago and excited a lot of people and most modern technologies in that, in that space, including dash, of course, are built on top of it. And at some point though, the free market is a brutal mistress. Everything works until it doesn't. And at some point, you're going to have to keep on evolving, keep on doing the best. And eventually, we're going to get out of this mostly speculative bubble that we're in with cryptocurrencies where everyone says, oh, this is awesome. Everyone invests. Every, people might send buy a thing or two here or there or in New Hampshire, even semi-frequently. But for the most part, no one's really using this stuff yet. The transaction counts are still pretty low. And eventually... If we're going to see this um, reach the whole world, um, we're going to start seeing much stiffer competition. People are going to take these seriously. Desert Links, a lot closer. you have a lot of uh, knowledge on cryptocurrencies. I have one more question. Will you hold the line? Yes. The number is 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE. You're on Free Talk Live. The Desert Links, uh, a friend of the show, uh, he's been sometime co-host here, has called in to make, uh, you know, some pretty big news uh, announcements about Dash. It's uh, 
Well, I probably shouldn't try to uh, repeat what you said there, Desert Links. <laughs> Why don't you uh, just quickly repeat what it was? It's a peer-to-peer digital currency. No, digital no, the, the the feature, the feature for dig, uh, for Dash. Oh, right, chain locks, which is an anti fifty-one percent attack measure. Yep, and it allows you to basically confirm a transaction immediately. Yes, there's a, a slightly separate functionality uh, called instant send, which is put on by default that confirms it and basically locks it in until the first confirmation. What chain locks does is make sure. After the first confirmation, it's you don't need any more. I see. So I mean that's that's a little bit of a hair splitting under the hood stuff, but basically together, yes, it's all final right away. So um, the question I had for you is: is uh, you, you had said that we're ho- you're hoping to get out of this world where the sort of speculative market uh, surrounding cryptocurrencies and these sorts of things, and I too hope for that because if we leave the speculative market, it means that we've reached the implementation phase yeah. of cryptocurrencies, and that's what we're all here for. Yeah, we need we need to reach critical mass with cryptocurrency adoption, and that's why I think it's important to actually promote cryptocurrency. That's why I built CryptoTip. But a lot of people, I'll talk about CryptoTip here shortly. A lot of people are, you know, they did get in for speculative reasons. And, uh, you know, there was the big run up in the price of Bitcoin and Bitcoin's rebounded uh, quite a bit. And people have declared crypto winter, as it's been called, Mm. to be over. But Bitcoin winter appears to be over, but maybe not so much altcoin winter. Yeah, no, the, the rest of crypto. It's still snowing in the crypto world. Do you have any thoughts surrounding, um, you know, the the uh, you know price and movement uh, as far as the alt currencies out there? Um, yes, I I think that people saw um, that this technology attracted a whole lot of good speculation, right? People believing in a free yep. economy of the future. A lot of people jumped in on it. And then when Bitcoin started to have scaling issues way back, I mean, honestly, in later 2016, but it got really bad later 2017. Yep. People started to just throw money at all kinds of other stuff saying, oh, could this be the next Bitcoin? Sure. Just start throwing money at it. And then now that with it, you know, the market dipped and now a lot of people are going into, they're scared. So they're going with the girl who taught them, took them to the dance, if you know what I mean. Yep. They're all going back to the thing that they remember working. And right now... Bitcoin fees aren't really that bad. You can get nope. by with a few cents. And of course, how short our memories are, that you know, just wait till it goes back up again. But still, right now it's a thing that works and it has a lot of real world utility from a pretty solid code base. And, and all the all the the trading pairs across the world, all the liquidity, all the everything else, all the actual usefulness, not just, oh, how does the tech work but you what can you do with it but and bitcoin so devs btc it, devs they they acknowledge that they've got a um a scaling problem and they're working on it but they also acknowledge they've got a ways to go before their um solution is ready for prime time oh yes um and that's something that i remain a little bit doubtful of in fact if you go to bitcoinvisuals.com slash lightning you'll see that there's actual atrophy in the Lightning Network, which is the solution that they're using to essentially scale Bitcoin without increasing the block size. And of course, everything's new in this technology. Who knows? It might blossom and become great. But my view on that personally is that it is a solution to a completely arbitrarily created limitation. It's just sort of like, well, what happens? How do you cut down on, you know, 
say st- the student loan crisis. What do we do about the student loan crisis? Well, part of it is just not create those regulatory barriers to begin with and with don't make those guaranteed loans either. There's a big problem that you don't necessarily need to fix. I would, I'm kind of more of a fan of what the approach that Dash is taking, obviously, and Bitcoin Cash is another one that's on the same path of let's just scale the network the way it was meant to be scaled. Let's just scale it on chain. And if we run into actual real limitations, not just, well, we can't have a block size larger than one megabyte, then at that point, we'll be able to do something about it. And uh, our own Dr. Darren Tapp, who's a uh, uh, free stater from New Hampshire, he is part of a research team at Arizona State University and is proven uh, specific to Dash that has proven that the network can scale well beyond, say, PayPal levels on chain without any uh, anything else. That, so, that's comforting I, to me. Darren Tapp is yes. a brilliant man. Um, yes, I've I know him. Know him for, for known him for years, and he has been very interested in alternative currencies since I've known him. And uh, you know, when he if he's if he makes a statement like that, that uh, you know, I, I it, it's comforting to me at the very least. Yes, exactly. There's actual research and tem- uh, simulations, emulations, etc., to just make sure this kind of works. And sometimes you just never know until you hit some serious transaction volumes, which is why there's an occasional large stress test that goes through to just make sure that. If something's going to break, it's going to break then before when you can just wait until the next day for everything to go back down again. You don't have to just, oh, now we're at complete capacity and now there's like a, a run on a run on the banks, as it were. There's a, a, a De- scarcity crisis. Desert Links, can you tell people who want to do a little more research on Dash how to start? Yes. So first, uh, dash.org is the main Dash website. Like Dash isn't running. Dash. Yes. Now, Digital if you go cash. to dashnews.org, you get to go read up on all the good stuff that's happening if you want to stay current on what's going on. Very good. Thank and, you for the call. It's dash.org, dashnews.org. Appreciate it, Desert Links. Yep. Have a good one. Let's go to the phones. Got Robbie calling in from New Hampshire. Robbie, you're on Free Talk Live. Robbie, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, Michael. Mark should be shot in the head, and I'm dead serious about it. There we go. LRN.FM. From the show. And <laughs> making threats. For making threats. Making threats. So there you go. Yeah, well, that's what he did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's go to the phones here. We got David from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Mark should be shot out of a cannon that would be awesome <laughs> no it would i am terrified of heights i um you know i've done the the zip lining thing i'm never gonna go skydiving uh but i'm just not that i'm not that guy uh you know when my feet are on the ground i feel in control and i'm happy but you know that whole let's go fast without i don't know it control does not not does not make me happy you you, you think you're not gonna go skydiving <laughs> you know that's what the parachute is for for control. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, so 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 fun with Dick and Jane. Um, oh, here we go. So everybody at home, play along. So you go on. You go on the internet and open your browser. Go to uh, uh, dailylobo.com. Dailylobo.com. Uh huh. 
And and then hold on, hold on, hold on. Just hold the line, hold the line. Um, DailyLobo.com. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to bring you back. Okay. Yep. Yep. Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE. Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com it's free talk live call in talk about whatever you want that's what we do here on free talk live the number 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE. Anyone can call in with uh, any topic they have except for one person. Hmm. And that person just called in and did what exactly the thing that he was banned for in the first place. Hmm. Threatening people. And happens to be hosts, but whatever. <sighs> so... The number, 855-450-3733. Let's go back to David in New Mexico, who encouraged us to go to DailyLobo.com and something to do with uh, Dick and Jane. I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, it's just a, an expression. Fun with, it used to be an old movie, Fun with Dick and Jane. Okay. Um, Mark should shoot himself in the foot like he always does. So what's going on um, here? What so am yeah, I doing at DailyLobo.com? DailyLobo.com, da- da- daily, uh, a.k.a. the Daily Low Blow in this case. Oh, and by the way, uh, Trump right now is doing his little talk here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, as we speak. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, daily DailyLobo.com, and um, I'm on uh, Android with Google Chrome browser. Your results may vary. So if I look on the on the landing page, I scroll down just slightly, like down to culture, which is like three down. Yeah, got me. it. And, and then there is a, a byline, Michaela Grijalva or Grijalva, something like that. All right, I'm looking. I've I got, got it. That. I got it. It's a strange looking name. Okay. Yeah. So you click on Michaela, and then up comes her stuff and. The second one down, Campus Crime Brief, September 12, 2019. You click okay. on that one, and the fun begins. All right. So, so when that loads, like it's loading for me, and I got uh, the on-air stalking and harassment. Right. A criminal summons for their stalking has been issued to the man that has been calling the UNM radio station, KUNM, to speak about his hatred of several groups on air. David Olson called into the radio station on uh, multiple occasions on Sunday, September the 1st, despite being already banned from speaking on the airwaves due to his harassing and hateful nature of his viewpoints, according to the police report. Olson has been has called KUNM on the uh, past to discuss uh, his dislike for Mexicans, 
Jews, American Indians, and the LGBT community. Any of these things true, David? Uh, well, it, it, it's uh, actually, well, the short answer is no. What they did is they, they took, um, and a good, a good lesson, if you, want to lie, if you want to lie and turn things around, is you listen to what somebody says, take actual words that they have used, and then apply a completely different meaning to whatever they, they did or said. And that's what they did here. And it's rather amusing. Um, uh, but, and it goes on to say, let's see, Olson was previously issued an order for, on pre-adjudication diversion for a related incident. He and the Bernalillo County District Attorney's Office agreed his previous case would be dismissed if Olson would have no further contact with the KUNM program. Let's talk New Mexico or KUNM News Director. The report said staff at KUNM believe Olson is a threat to them as well as other students and staff on campus. Okay. So what, what, they, what they did is in the previous thing that they're referring to um, is that the Let's Talk New Mexico that is referenced in this article, um, they, they don't want me, they put me on their band list. They don't want me to call in. And so I haven't been calling in uh, for the last two years, even though I didn't even know that there, that there was a, a, a court case against me. I hadn't gotten the warrant yet for two years, and I hadn't called in. And, and then uh, I got served with that warrant, and we're in court on that one. And now while we're in court on that one, we, we have this agreement like it references here. And the agreement says that we'll dismiss this thing in December or in November if you continue to not call them like you already haven't been calling them. Um, and so I haven't. And the the order uh, is very specific. It says person A, B, C, and D. Don't talk to these guys, and don't call uh, the program known as Let's Talk New Mexico. All right. And on top of on top of that, we specifically addressed uh, uh, on the record in court that uh, this was only for that one KUNM program. I could continue the interactions that I've had for a decade with other programs and other individuals uh, at KUNM that are not listed in the agreement. So I continue to do that, um, and one, for instance, is a program called Singing Wire, which is a Native American, and I told you, I told you about this previously, where I call in each Sunday, they do shout-outs, and I do a shout-out to, to my kids, like you said, put it out to the ether, okay. hey kids, uh, uh, you, you've been disappeared for a decade, but I miss you and I love you, and um, uh, the program director that's, that's named here, Elaine Baumgartle, what she did is apparently she finally realized or whatever that I was calling into this other program. And so what she did is once again, she called her private police force, the University of New Mexico uh, p- uh, police, and called them over and said, hey, this guy is not supposed to be calling the radio station. And he, and, and he just called to this program here, Singing Wire, arrest him. And so what the, what the cop did, a, 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 a MG Barreras, uh, a cop at uh, UNM, and she wrote out just like just like the previous time. They 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 wrote up a charge and they sent me a summons. Uh, and so there's a there's a court date on the 25th of this month regarding this new charge that they're calling stalking. And so uh, I don't know if you if you've seen the various different um, uh, juxtaposition of uh, things in this, but it's but. Uh, uh, so the order says don't do this, and I haven't been doing this. But not satisfied, Elaine Baumgartel uh, says I'm going to try, you know, to to make some more stuff stick to the wall, and does what she did, and so she got the cop uh, to write me up for a stalking charge for calling this other program that was discussed in court on the record as permissible. You follow? I'm with you. I'm with you so far. So yeah, okay. They're saying something's illegal that is not illegal. 
Right. They're saying something. They're, they're, they, they, they convinced the cop to actually charge me with something that was addressed specifically on the record in court as being okay per the uh, the legally binding agreement. Right. And uh, somehow somehow the cop was uh, genius enough that apparently did not read the order that uh, is available. Ah, court what is court orders are hard to read. It's a pain. Yeah, well, this one this one is very succinct. It's uh, just like one paragraph, and it's very clear. It says, do not contact these four people or this one program. That's what it says. And so I... So and, did the cop... So did you ever speak more, with the cop? No, the cop never even attempted to contact me to get my side of the story. So there's... You, you're on to something else. There's all kinds of strange stuff. You know, like if I, if I call the, anytime I've ever called the cops on somebody I want to complain about, they usually get the other person's side of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and if, if there's a court order involved, like a restraining order, they usually say, Hey, uh, you got the order on you. Can I read it please? Apparently they didn't do that because this order is very clear. Also, uh, if you study what's written in, in this article right, right here, the, the, the Elaine Baumgartel, the UNM person, uh, uh, makes a legal admission to knowing about the order. It references the pre-adjudication diversion order. And so they're very aware, they admit knowing about the order and being aware of it. And, and by definition, they have a copy of it because they agreed to it and they know exactly what the order says. And they're attempting to, to, uh, uh, get a, uh, to charge for something that's not covered by that order. So... Anyway, just convoluted. The fun goes on with you and your uh, adventures with this uh, publicly funded radio program. I'm curious how they came to the conclusion that you dislike all these ethnic groups, whereas, um, Uh, you know, most of your stuff has to do with uh, politicians. Right. Here's here's what happened in a nutshell is after after about I don't know how many months it was, six months plus or minus of them. Uh, uh, refusing to uh, take my calls to to their call-in program, Let's Talk New Mexico, um, one of the discussions I had with Elaine, Elaine Baumgartel is, is that uh, she was discriminating against me because I, I see that in your staff and on your program, the, your guests, your staff, your content, your comments are all very favorable to uh, Mexicans, Jews, American Indians. Well, that's and the best she's got, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and, appreciate the yeah, call, David. Discriminate- Got to let you go. Yeah. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Final segment of Free Talk Live. You're... Welcome to give it a shot here. The number is 855-450-3733, 855-450-FREE, or you can use the Discord lines. want to thank Teddy Graham, who's a gold amplifier, and you can be an amplifier, too, if you go to amp.freetalklive.com. Teddy Graham is a gold amplifier, which means $10 a month, but we ask for five. If you listen to Free Talk Live and have listened for, eh, call it six months, and you believe in the ideas of liberty? Then you should, I think, support us, right? Like, you, you know, you're, you're value for value here. We're providing a show for you all the time. And, uh, you know, it seems like a, a generally a safe thing to do. Five bucks a month. You're not talking about uh, too much money here. The cost of uh, one of those fancy coffees that uh, you might spend or something like that. 
And if we're providing something you enjoy listening to that much, then gosh darn it, you should uh, support us. It's amp, A-M-P, dot freetalklive.com. It's amp, dot freetalklive.com. I'm mostly talking to the uh, podcast uh, and streaming listeners, but hey, you know, if you're on the radio, there have been radio amplifiers yeah, and we yeah. appreciate them too. Let's go on with this article from NPR about uh, schools surveilling students. They're talking about this one kid who managed to get kicked out for his friend taking a picture of him with an airsoft rifle. Mm-hmm. And putting a and putting a vaguely threatening caption on it. Right. And his parents want to transfer him uh, somewhere else because he got moved to this crappy school because his A-rated magnet school, he can't be there anymore. I don't know what the hell that means. So it's okay to shoot the kids at the crappy school, not okay to shoot the kids at the good school. Doesn't make any sense. His parents want to transfer him somewhere else, but they worry about his record now. It says Eric's dad. Anybody that doesn't know the story will read this and say, there's no way in the world I'm going to put this child in my school. Spokesman for the Miami-Dade School said the district takes threats seriously, investigates them thoroughly, and disciplines students when necessary. Really? What'd they do to the other kid? <laughs> probably nothing, nothing. Probably. For many students, this new school year, um, I think that the best argument here is made by the parents is that um, he never took the picture. He didn't capture the picture. He didn't spread the picture. So why are they punishing him? Because for, he had the airsoft rifle. Right, because he was in the picture. For many students, this new school year will mean more reasons to watch what they do or don't say online. Spurred in part by the school shooting in Parkland, Florida a year and a half ago, students nationwide are collaborating with law enforcement in new ways to and efforts to avoid the kind of tragedies that, while still rare, are far too familiar. They're investigating a new security new security technologies that scan social media posts and school assignments and even student emails for potential threats. Oh wow. Even going to read people's email. Yeah. And these are, you know, little frightening. Schools are reading, you know, emails. These companies say that they're saving lives. Privacy hawks and advocates for vulnerable students, such as those with disabilities, worry that new surveillance technologies could threaten students' privacy and have far-reaching implications. You know what really bothers me about this is that they're trying to stigmatize gun ownership. Oh, sure. That's that's the big thing that really gets me here is they're trying to make, they're trying to say if you're a gun owner or you have anything to do with guns you're dangerous. you're a, you're a dangerous person since the park- which is obvious nonsense but there it is yep since the Parkland shooting Miami Dade School District has opened a police command center with live video feeds from eighteen thousand cameras located in its public schools wait how do you how can anybody watch eighteen thousand cameras they've got a command center. Uh, It was uh, installed GPS tracking on every school bus, and there's an app through which the public can report threats. On April, excuse me, August 1st, the state launched an ambitious data repository called the Florida Schools Safety Patrol. It's intended to collect information from school discipline records, law enforcement and mental health and child welfare systems and display it all in one place alongside tips sent in by the public and automatic scans of social media posts for potential threats. It's the state's answer to a problem that policymakers have been trying to solve since 2018. Mass shootings uh, at majority, let's say the Marjorie Stoneman uh, Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, which left 17 people dead and 17 injured. Various people had concerns that confessed, confessed shooter was the confessed shooter was dangerous, but they aren't always comparing notes. So this is you know the old com- oh we didn't communication the dots. problems. Yeah, so we need to we need to we need to put these systems. It's the same thing they said about nine eleven. Well, yeah, it it actually is the same thing they said about nine eleven, but I don't know that we. 
have any information that any of these uh, intelligence agencies are working together better than they were before. They're not. And, um, you know, 9-11 resulted in what? The, the security apparatus being nationalized and, um, you know, made more robust. But frankly, it hasn't stopped anything. Yeah. And we, and we got 20 years of war to show for it. The system has been controversial from the start. State advocates for students with disabilities. Yeah, I said that. Uh, Social Sentinel, one of the largest companies in the business of uh, scanning social media for schools, declined to be part of the portal because it said in a statement, we did not feel comfortable participating in an extensive database of student profiles. The firm is still serving schools in Florida. It just won't link its results to the portal. So the company that's actually in the business of watching your kids on social media wouldn't participate in this because it goes too far. That's correct. They uh, they turn tail. The portal just launched, but officials involved with the process have already started to question whether it'll work as designed as a well. A really somebody made a government uh, made a, a bunch of software for a government agency and it doesn't work. I'd like to remind yeah, the the I've audience heard that story before. That I believe it was until 2008, and I might not have my dates exactly right, but I think it was 2008 that the FBI finally could implement email. Mm. That sounds about right. I I mean, mean, it took them a decade of trying to implement email. And it was basically uh, security issues. They didn't want agents being, you know, whatever. There's still government agencies using floppy disks on a daily basis. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. No. How is that possible? What are they doing? They're copying files to the floppy disk, and they're putting them in archives, and they're they're moving them around. They, they're DOS using, programs, I yes, presume. Ancient ancient technology. I I don't have the details in front of me. But How I can they um, even find a computer that'll run this stuff? Is it an emulator? No, they're, they're they still have actual ancient hardware running the X, yeah. yeah IBM XTs and yeah. that sort of thing. It can still be found. I mean, there, there are still parts. To, oh yeah, yeah. Warehouses and whatnot. Right. So um, let's see. Question whether it'll be work as designed as a one-stop shop of information because of privacy concerns. No one will be able to access the data without authorization, and only a cop can see the law enforcement records, and only a school official can see the discipline records. So instead of integrating data, the uh, portal essentially keeps it <laughs> siloed. So so it doesn't actually do what it was meant to do because... It does. You just can't see it. Yeah. The, <laughs> the Department there, of Education but... and all the other stakeholders that were tasked with uh, doing this have done the absolute best possible job they could with what they're asked to do, asked to, to accomplish, Bob, uh, somebody's name, Florida Sheriff and uh, Chair of the state's uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Public Safety Commission said at a uh, public uh, meeting, uh, what they were asked to, do, to accomplish is, in essence impossible well yeah initially set up uh, set up to investigate the parkland shooting the commission's brief uh has gone uh has grown to encompass school safety across the state including the porthole effort oh my yeah i mean off it is not uncommon for software developers to be tasked with impossible jobs yeah i i mean look at obamacare that that rollout was in the in the first days of that, the first months, it was a mess. It was a nightmare. Late one night last spring after an event, David, uh, somebody, got an alert that someone might want to hurt his students. 
Sita Dino is the, that's his name, is the superintendent of schools at Old Bridge, New Jersey Safety, and has been an increasing concern at the suburban township as it's been around the United States. Sita Dino's uh, first year as an assistant superintendent, 2012, not only was the year of the Sandy Hook shooting, but was when in his small community two young graduates of Old Bridge High School were shot and killed by a troubled veteran at a local supermarket. In response, the school district has hardened schools. Sinita says more police, more security, more more do- uh, more security measures at the doors. But he adds he has uh, seen a new urgency the past year. Things changed after Parkland, he says. He remembers a school board meeting with members of the public asking, what are you going to do for his district, as for hundreds more around the country? The answer was new technology. Sinita Dino dug through his old phone messages and returned a call to Social Sentinel. It offers school professionals total awareness, the website says. Hmm. Social Sentinel scans public uh, posts and social media for potential threats to a school community, and the company won't say exactly how it identifies which accounts it scans. When a threat's found, it's shared automatically with the district officials and sometimes with police. Well, basically, you're going to have to get the rest of this on our feed. Go to telegram.freetalklive.com. That's telegram.freetalklive.com. But more or less, they're getting false alarms. Mm. And it doesn't take too many times for people to say the sky's falling and the sky doesn't fall for people to give up on it. That's the way false, false alarms work. Yep. Check us out in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Remember, there's no such thing as a free lunch. and Taxation is theft. Hey, everyone. This is Charlie Shrem. You've seen me on the Netflix documentary Banking on Bitcoin and the new best-selling book Bitcoin Billionaires. I want to invite you to join me on my new show, untold stories for a deep dive into crypto history with the people who made that history together we'll explore the personalities and events that gave rise to bitcoin and the crypto revolution the innovation the collaboration the battles and the busts you'll have a front row seat to the early days of crypto up to today and you'll hear from the folks who lived through it and survived to drive this movement mainstream Untold Stories looks back to reveal what inspired some of the greatest minds on Earth to come together to create this technology and change the future for everyone. So join me and my guests, the techies and the traders, the entrepreneurs and the innovators, as we explore our past and understand what that means for the future. Listen now on UntoldStories.com. That's UntoldStories.com.